had kind of a significant experience yesterday with our dear friend Andre, who we've talked to on the podcast a couple times. And I just felt important to talk about it today and share why I feel like we've been asked as Christians to mourn with those that mourn. And I think that most just kind-hearted good people are about this too. But I think it's something that I don't know. I don't know that I've ever really had a conversation about it. So I think it'll be good for us to just like talk about the why of this. But yeah, our friend Andre, who lives in the Ukraine, who we, you know, we were pretty heavily involved in the beginning of the war there with helping raise funds and sending them over to Ukraine. And then he was just like, is, was, and is a hero, just like went out and fed so many people. Like it was so Christ-like. He would find people who didn't have access to food. And especially when the war was first just crazy and people couldn't get groceries. And so he would find these people, people who were elderly or had disabilities and use the donations that we gathered and then get food delivered to these people for a week at a time or two weeks at a time or whatever. Yesterday, I had a bunch of phone calls and meetings and stuff yesterday morning, and then I got off of them. And right when I got off, I got on my Instagram stories and saw that Andre was posting. It looked like he was in like a hospital or something. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then I watched this video where he said, my mom has passed away. They confirmed that my mom passed away. And I felt so bad. And then I saw that he was live. He had gone live on Instagram. So I joined his live and just sat there with him and, you know, really felt so deeply for him and what he was going through. And you were there with me. And we just agreed that that was the most important thing that we could be doing that day on a, you know, Friday afternoon. And then we had a really cool opportunity to pray with him. You know, someone had suggested earlier, like, oh, can Corinne go live with you and pray for you? And I had said, I would love to do that if you want that. And so then probably an hour later, he said, um, well, I should go to bed, but I would love for someone to pray. And Corinne, are you still here? So because I was there and, you know, we have a really good relationship. I was able to, we were both, we both talked to him for a minute. And I know that your words really meant a lot to him. So maybe let's actually, let's start there. What did you feel like? Did that bring anything up? And then, you know, what were some of the things that you shared for anyone who wasn't on the live? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's hard to know in those situations, like what to say, even having gone through that myself, as far as losing people or, you know, losing family members. So I just remember saying kind of like a silent prayer, like what, you know, helping to know what to say in this moment. And I think what came to me was just to sit with him, mm -hmm. just be, be with him. So he, he knows that he's not alone. I think he was, I mean, he was live, he's on Instagram. So he could see people's names and know, and he knew like, obviously the there's count. a bunch of people there and there's a number count, but I think that still can be kind of like not very personal. You know, you just see like a number, like a, a Instagram handle and you're like, okay, this person's here. Um, so we jumped on and it was just, I kind of just felt like, let's, let me just sit with him. And then it kind of came to me, the thought of like, how cool is this? You know, it, so let me kind of explain what, why I would think that is how cool is this, that there's all of these people, but 
they're all real people. Yeah. They're actual behind every one of those names is a person just like me and Corinne who's on here. And so I told them that I'm like, Hey, you know, this is really amazing that there are all these people who we're all with you. Like you see these names that are coming up and these people that are commenting, but it's just kind of the reminding him of these are real people that are really with you currently right now. And, and while their faces aren't here, they're not having a direct communication with you. We're all with you. And so that was what came to me. And it was powerful. I think recognizing just how not alone, you know, he was in that moment, but physical presence wise. Yeah, he was, you know. And it's important to explain that too, that he, Andre's father passed away years ago. And he explains that in, I think the second podcast interview that we did with him, where he kind of got more into his personal story and his life. And he talked about his testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he talked about his dad and how, you know, he didn't have like a close relationship with him. It's always kind of just been him and his mom. And so it's significant that his mom passed away. Also, this is so sad. Also his dog who they named Ephraim, which is so cute, but his dog passed away Monday and then his mom passed on Friday. So he is literally physically alone in this apartment all by himself. And he's like, there's no one that can come give me a hug. There's no one that can be here with me. So that's why he went live. And he was like, this is all I have are my friends on Instagram. And just like you're saying, you know, it was so cool to see this outpouring of love and just comment after comment and hearts and people that were just, I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you. You know, people that just deeply care about him and they know his heart. They knew his mom's heart. You know, she was on his stories all the time on his lives. And one of the things that came into my mind was, you know, if we truly are spiritual beings having a physical experience, then it doesn't matter that we're all spread out all over the world. Like if all of our spirits are coming together to try to mourn with him and comfort him in his time of need, then that's a real thing. That's, that's as real as people all being in the same room. And I have felt that. And I know you've felt that. I know that when Dave died and people all over were praying for us, I felt that. And I remember someone in my DM saying, you will notice because you will miss it when it goes away. And I kind of thought like, I don't know like how true that is. And then I did, it was so significant when I could feel kind of those prayers, those collective prayers fading and dying down. And so I, what I wanted to talk to you about is why is that a thing? Like why as, and especially like in our church, that's one of, we make these promises called covenants. And one of them, there's not that many, but there's just a handful, just a few, when you get baptized as a member of our church and you agree to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. So I've never thought about it very long until yesterday. And I was just thinking like, oh, I wonder why of all the things that Jesus would ask us to do, like, why that? Like, why is that a thing? So as someone who's been through this two times with your only two full living brothers, the first one who died by suicide when you were 12 and he was 19, 
that was your brother, Steve. And then Dave, who passed away five years ago and was shot and killed in, in a, he was trying to um, evict some tenants uh, at a rental property that he owned. So you've been through this as an adolescent, you've been through it as like, you know, a late thirties dad with kids, like two very different times of your life. And I know you've talked about how there were people that came to you and they did just that they mourned with you. First of all, just why was that significant to you? Like, why did it matter versus you just like shouldering that by yourself? I don't know. I think there's something about, I learned I, through these, all of these different experiences, the, the, the importance of presence, somebody's presence. I think we greatly underestimate how powerful that is mm -hmm. like not even what they're saying, but I think, and sometimes in the movies, they'll, they'll kind of get this concept. They'll, you know, at the end, there'll be this moment where some key person all of a sudden shows up and just by them showing up, it means something like very deep, like they're showing up for somebody and like, they don't even say anything and everybody in the audience is just like crying, you know? So I think that's true. I think that there's a power of presence. Yeah. And I learned that it was just, I remember like it both funerals, really, there were people that kind of like, I, I knew them, they knew me, but there wasn't like a really super strong personal connection. Mm -hmm. But me knowing that, like seeing them there, that I'm like, whoa, you're not currently way close with me. But like, obviously, I, you know, we have a relationship. But the fact that they're showing up to this, like, and that shows just that vote of like, moving your feet and showing up means so much. Yeah. And so that was the part that's really what it's about. And maybe they, you know, maybe there were some words that, that they said, but it, it's more of just the presence of them being there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I remember with Dave seeing, you know, my best friend, Peter, that I grew up with, you know, he just, I saw him, he saw me, it was right before he just gave me a big hug, the funeral, you know, handed me a letter he wrote me. Um, and then other people like my friend's mom and my first brother, Steve passed away, you know, she was there and I, I was kind of surprised by that. I'm like, Whoa, like, like, that's amazing. She gave me a big hug and it just was really special. So I think the power of presence and in an online scenario, it's like, okay, we can't, physically be with you. You're, you know, around, you know, the entire other side of the earth. Not only that, but like you literally are not allowed to fly to. Yeah. The there's no right way now. we can be yeah. with this, you know, with Andre, but I think virtual presence still carries a lot of that power yeah. and it's not the same as physical, but it's again, it's the gesture. It's the what that says and what that communicates without saying anything at all. And yeah. that is where the power is. That's why it's so cool. Well, I thought about my friend, Rachel, when you, <clears throat> when you said that, because, uh, Rachel is a friend of mine from college that, you know, we were, she's not one of my very, very best friends, but she's a good friend, you know, like as far as, is it somebody that I talk to weekly? No, but is it someone who, um, we had a great relationship in college and we've kept that up all these years. Yes. And Rachel has been there for me a couple of key times. And that was one of them. Like I remember walking into the funeral and seeing her there 
and thinking like, oh, I wonder if there's a connection to Dave that I don't know about. And then she, I think, sent me a text or something later that day. And she was like, I just wanted to be there for you. Like, I just wanted you to know that I was there. And Rachel has like so many kids. I think she has eight kids. Um, I don't remember how many she had at the time, but you know, she just was there. And it was so important to me to just see that a friend who didn't even know Dave just wanted me to know that she was there to support me. And this is the same friend who, when I had just severe postpartum depression and we decided to do Annie's baptism and Harry's baby blessing on the same weekend. And my mom couldn't be there because she was serving a mission in Spain And I think my sister was about to have a baby, so she couldn't come. And I just really didn't have very many people that I felt like I could ask, but I asked for whatever reason, I remember like feeling like I could ask Rachel and she just immediately was like, yep, I'll be there. And it wasn't grief in the way of like, I I wasn't grieving a death, but like, as far as that comfort, those that stand in need of comfort, she didn't she helped me like put together, um, some picture frames and we assembled like some little yogurt parfaits, but I could have had a neighbor come do that. It was more just like you're saying her presence. Like she was willing to fly out here and just be with me and like comfort me. She knew that like, I couldn't stand on my own. Like I couldn't do that all on my own because I just was in such a low capacity place in my life at the time. And so friends like that are, are so, valuable and it's the time it's the presence like you're saying and then like when I was on bed rest it yeah the meals were nice like it was of course that helped when people dropped off meals but every time someone dropped off a meal what what did you say to them I didn't know until like the end but you would well, always I told them I'm like look it, it's gonna mean really what is gonna be super helpful is if you go and just hang out with Corinne for a minute just go talk to her you know go upstairs and and hang out and so you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, these women in our ward would, would come over, drop off a meal, and then they would come upstairs and hang out with you. Yeah. And I think that was really, I'm sure for them too, like they could feel it that they're like, I feel the importance of this. And like, cause I think as the one who does that for somebody, you feel just as fed spiritually as the one who's receiving it. And it's like a simultaneous you know, connection and, and really good feeling that, you know, we're doing something very important here. Except I don't think, I think as the giver, you have no idea. You, yeah. That's probably deeply not as clear. If it impacts the person that's receiving, like for me, I never knew until I went through that, just how deeply meaningful it is to just go sit with someone who's lonely and who's isolated. I've never known that kind of loneliness until I was physically, literally locked up in here for six months. And the only person to person interaction were people who were willing to just come sit on the bed with me and comfort me in that hour of need. And you know what I I think about Andre and I think about all of those people that he just showed up for who needed food and who needed sustenance to live. And so I think that because so many people felt like they were part of that, they knew his heart. I think that that's where like an absolute outpouring of love came from that maybe wouldn't have been as strong if people didn't feel like they just knew him and knew his heart. But that's 
that's a different kind of presence. Just like you're saying, it doesn't have to be physical because I think probably most, if not almost every person on there has not sat in a room with Andre, like has not physically been with him ever, but we've all like been with him on this journey of him being the one that goes and comforts and, and provides and suckers those in need over and over and over. So to be able to be there for someone just, it felt to your point a second ago, it felt like we were fed spiritually. Yeah, no, I totally would agree. And and I think I've been on both sides of the coin on that one, probably more on the receiving end, honestly, like, but I think I remember a, a couple of times of being, you know, in a position or having the opportunity, I think is a better way to say it, of going in and just being with a friend. And I, one of my friends from high school, his brother died. And so I, obviously I knew how that felt mm -hmm. and I just such a good person, such a good family. And so, you know, I, I was talking to the girl he's dating at the time. I'm like, Hey, has anybody gone over there? Like friend wise, or like, would it be weird if I went out? And she's like, no, you should totally go. Like no one really has been over there. And so I just showed up and I knocked on his door and, and we had, he was, you know, super appreciative. And it was like, you know, I, I just wasn't very long. I just came in gave him a hug and was like, Hey man, I love you. Like just told him a few things. It didn't seem that significant like it was awesome i felt walking out of there i'm like man i'm so glad i did that i just felt good i knew it was a good thing but i don't think i realized the impact that it had until it was probably like a couple of years later that he you know wrote in in this you know journal kind of that a bunch of my friends were writing in before i left for my mission he wrote me a note and like wrote me a letter about it and how impactful like that was so it was really cool to see that. And then for me on the receiving end of it, I've had that happen a few times and then been able to talk to the people later, like my friend's mom, I saw her again at a different funeral, like years later, the one who comforted me at my brother's funeral. And I remember saying, and I'm like, Hey, you know, I really appreciate, I was, you know, 13 at the time. And this was, I was like in my twenties when I saw her again. And I'm like, Hey, I, I really appreciate the fact that you came to my brother's funeral and, and it almost was like, oh yeah, like it, she didn't really, like she remembered it, but it wasn't like a big deal in her mind, but it was for me, that was hugely impactful. So a lot of times maybe we don't see that and, and maybe we do something to support somebody and we don't necessarily get a response or we're like, okay, well I did it. Hopefully that helped. It was trying, you know, I'm coming from the right place. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times we have no idea how impactful that was. And maybe we will never know, but I think a lot of times it'll be, you know, years later, months later, you'll find out just how impactful that was for somebody in that, that moment. Right. Well, the friend that you just talked about where you went over um, after his brother died, I have met different people from that family over the years, like, you know, the brothers in that family and their wives. And, you know, it's kind of like over the years, I've met more and more of this family that you're talking about. And every time that gets brought up by one of them. And so it, it, I think is more impactful than you ever could have realized in that moment, because it sticks with people probably during those really, you know, traumatic times, you remember 
the few people that were able to provide comfort. And, and speaking of that, I remember when Dave died that somebody brought over warm bread. Our, our neighbor Jessica brought over warm bread and I just was like, so, I mean, I don't know. There are in my like book of Corinne's love languages, there are not very many things that are better than a loaf of warm bread. And it just felt so comforting and so like such an act of love, you know, and they didn't say like a lot, they didn't stay for long, but it just felt like that was her way of saying like, I love you. I care. I'm here for you. And it's funny how like certain things, I'm sure there were so many other things too, but just certain things like that stick out in my mind. I wanted to talk to you about my friend, Julie Taylor, who's been on the podcast, who is an absolute gifted writer and wordsmith. She's incredible. Her Instagram. And if you are going through grief, her Instagram right now is just so beautiful. Like she keeps sharing all of these things because she lost her baby Simon a couple months ago. And so she's just like living this grief process through her beautiful words for people to see. And it is such a gift because for most people, like for you, it's a very internal thing. You know, you're not like explaining to people and really delving into all the feelings, but that is her gift. And she's been willing to share it. And the other day she well, actually, let me read something that she wrote because this is so good. She said, do you feel better yet? The world keeps spinning and we do too, but at different orbit at a different orbit than everyone else. It seems it's the only pain you don't want to feel, but also pray will never fade because the pain is where they live now. And to stop feeling that is a threat to be robbed of them all over again. They live in the joy too, but that also hurts somehow. I think it will always hurt. And I think we need to let it. And she keeps writing things like that, that are just like, man, she just nailed that one, you know? And, but what I wanted to share about her that I thought was so good was the other day she was sharing on stories. She did this kind of like dark humor, funny, um, real with another friend of ours who lost her baby. And there's this whole trend on Instagram going around right now where you'll say something like we're bloggers. Of course we take pictures of ourselves every day and we're bloggers or like, um, you say I'm a whatever, of course I have like. I'm a mom of five. Of course I have 70 Stanley cups or like you just say these funny things. So she did this kind of dark humor, like our baby died. Of course I, you know, I, I don't even remember, but like, you know, still had my milk come in and had to deal with that or whatever. And it's this kind of like, Oh, are you supposed to laugh or not? And I think people kind of didn't know, but she was like, that was so th therapeutic for me to go through some of the awkward things that I'm dealing with that you wouldn't know unless you've been through it. And she did it with a friend who also has been through that. But what she said after that, she was like, so many people kind of didn't know how to respond to that reel because it was this like awkward, dark humor. And she said, don't be so afraid to say the wrong thing. Like saying nothing is worse than someone who's well-meaning, who tries to say something. And she said, you know, I, I see all of these posts where people are like, don't say this and don't say that. And, and we've covered a lot of that. And I think that those things are good. If you just want to know like, oh, it's probably not helpful to, to tell someone like they're in a better place or, you know, things that people say that are well-meaning, but it's, it can really hurt. But what she said, I thought was so good where she was like, it's better to try. It's better to like show that you care, even if you do it the wrong way 
that people will know that you're just trying, you know? And I saw some of that on Andre's live where there were a few things that were said where he would read it and I could tell it kind of hurt. And then he would just not respond to it and then read the next comment. And so there you will mess up. You will say things to people you love that maybe just don't sit well or hit right. But I, I believe what Julie said is true that it's better to, to try and to do something than to just do nothing out of fear of doing something wrong. Yeah, no, I totally believe the same thing. I, I think I was trying to kind of compute while you're talking, why, why that's so significant just when somebody reaches out, shows up, does something. And it is the presence. It is the gesture. I think one key element for me, and and maybe for a lot of people, um, is just the recognition of, of God through other people. Because I think that a lot of times people, you know, God works through other people. He works through us. I truly believe, believe that. And I think that in a lot of those moments, you know, I would be searching or looking for something or reaching out kind of in my own way, or maybe a question and somebody would come in and say something that they didn't, maybe they just kind of randomly were like, Oh, you know, said something like a one liner that, but because they were inspired, they were kind of instrumental in giving me a message from God, you know, or, or showing me love that I felt through them that I believed came from God or comes from God. Like we can be a conduit for that, that love to come through. And it's really amazing to watch that happen from the standpoint of watching people to come and show up and, and want to offer love and concern. And they don't even realize, you know, a lot of times if they're speaking, you know, through the spirit or Right. God is answering prayers because of what they're saying through them. Um, so that component of it, I think that's a lot of where that amazing kind of, I don't want to say magic, but, but like this, the spiritual nature of it comes through. Yeah. And you always tell me this too, whenever I've like finished speaking or giving a talk or something. And if I've ever said like, Oh, like, I don't know if that story quite made sense or, you know, you kind of like replay. And I think we do that with conversations. You always say the spirit fills in the details, like the spirit fills in the gaps and makes sense of whatever you are trying to say. If you were in the right spirit of trying to help or trying to teach or trying to, you know, teach as in like, if I was speaking, but also like helping, if you were, if you were trying to help that, just like you're saying, I think the spirit is there to kind of fill in the gaps and make sense of, even if you're kind of like stumbling on your words and it's not coming out just right. I also have felt more than once, like if I'm trying to be there for someone and I, just like you said with Andre, where you immediately said this silent prayer to yourself, I feel like when I've done that words have come into my mind and my heart that I feel like weren't mine, that it was like, this is what you're supposed to say, or this is how you're supposed to help or heal or comfort someone. I also just want to say like, this is something I feel like is really important to address that if you are the person who's really close to someone who's grieving, like I was with you, I remember, I mean, like I, grief is ugly. 
And I called it the grief monster for a few years there because it just sometimes can bring out like a not pretty side of someone because grief is just raw and and it is so I like I don't even have a word for it. Difficult, sucky, awful. It's all of those things and you just have to like really dig in and deal with the the loss of something. And so for you, when you were going through some of those, I, I think especially like kind of your anger phase where you were angry that Dave died. I remember that I, that the going to the temple and feeling close to God there, because that is the place I feel closest to God. I kept receiving the same message over and over and it kept me going. And that was, it's not you, it's the grief. And God just kept telling me that, like, just hang in there. It's not you, it's the grief. And I knew that, and it kind of gave me this like shield of protection to be able to like hold up even through kind of those really hard, strong emotions that you had for, you know, a couple, two or three years there. And so if you are the one who's trying to comfort or be there for someone who's going through a grief stage, like know that it is a stage, I believe with you it was, and I think with most people and people will almost always will say like, it never goes away. And I believe that like that pain and loss never goes away. But you know, if, if it feels dark and hard to either be the one going through it or be someone who loves a person who's going through deep grief, I think that you can also ask God to help you to see things as they are and to not feel like, you know, I, I think that our brain can lie to us. It can make things feel forever. It can make feel like make hard situations feel like they are forever and they're not. And grief tends to make life feel the hardest it's ever felt and it won't feel that way forever. So I think if you are trying to comfort someone who's in need of comfort and they're not receiving it well, or they're just like not at their best for me, like what got me through that was to just try to partner with God and say like, how do I do this? And then he would just help me and he would help me to see things for what they were, which was you dealing with grief, not you hating your life, which is what it felt like sometimes, you know? So I think that as much as the person who goes through the grief needs God to, to get them through that, I think it can be the same for those who love people who are going through grief. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think, and it's hard when you're the one going through it to differentiate, like, it's kind of like, I didn't even see the displacement, like, okay, I'm, I'm lashing out or I'm acting out in different ways, like emotionally. And it, and it has to do with the grief. Like I didn't both times, like originally with my the loss of my first brother, I didn't see it. And then the second time, even in our relationship. Like, I think it took me a while to see it and identify it and then, and then work on it. And so being open to that realization and, but it's still, it's tough. And so I'm sure I sounded very convincing a lot of times and, you know, whatever frustrations were coming out that really at the core of it had to do with what happened and not with a situation that we were facing or whatever. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say, and I, specifically felt prompted to pray for this yesterday while I was praying for Andre is that sometimes it takes courage to ask 
for help. You know, it took courage for sure for Andre to go live yesterday and be vulnerable and like weep and, and be in pain and hurt in front of people. But he had the courage to do that. And I'm so glad because otherwise he would have just literally been alone. But, at, you know, because he had the courage to go live, then at least we could be there as much as we possibly could in that moment, spiritually and emotionally. And I remember watching you go through your deep grief with Dave and something that you consistently said was, I got to just keep talking because if I'm talking, then I'm kind of getting through it. And then when I go introverted and I isolate, that's, that's when it gets really hard. So I would love for you to just share too, like where that, where that difference was and where the courage came from and how you would like tell yourself to ask for help or make a call or tell someone. I remember like the, um, at Baja fish, like you just telling Nate, uh-huh. like how, wasn't it Nate? That, it was. Yeah. yeah. He's like a really good guy that goes to our church congregation, like just very genuine, nice. And, and like, I think there, you know, it was one of those passing conversations where I saw him outside like, of a restaurant. You're like, Hey, I, I mean, he, he asked it in a way, like he knew what happened. And yeah. so he was like, Hey man, like how, how are you? But I think a lot of times you're not expecting someone to just like all of a sudden unload. And I totally, you know, I wasn't like angry or freaking out or anything, but I just, I remember unloading very honestly and and openly, like my emotions. I'm just like, right now, I feel like I'm never going to be happy again. Like I, I never, you know, I'm just saying stuff like that where I'm just, and I, and I think he just is such a salt of the earth guy. He just sat and listened, you know? And, and I think, and that was, that was probably, you know, there was, there weren't answers in that moment that I was necessarily looking for, but it was just the, the space to express. And, and I knew that from going through, you know, addiction recovery or, or a lot of the things that we'd learned was like, if I hold on to all of this, it's just going to be a closed loop in my head and it's going to spin and it's going to keep spinning and it's just going to gain negativity. But if I can get it out in a healthy way and express it, then I know that I'll get through it and I'll work through it. And so that was, that was something that really was helpful just to keep talking, keep, keep talking about it. Yeah. Final thoughts. Um, I think just following the intuition, the inner voice that's like, Hey, go by this person. Or if, you know, knowing, I think you're excellent at that. And in this situation with Andre, you're like, I'm just going to hang on this, you know, and be on his live. Like it's in the middle of the work day. We, you know, we were, there are things there that, that, you know, we could have been, you could have been focusing on, but you're like, this is the most important thing I can do. And I think that you probably felt that. So following that inner voice or what we call the spirit, um, it's, it's just amazing what comes about and the miracles God works through other people Mm. on our behalf and that we can be a part of a miracle for somebody else and be that support in those scenarios. Yeah. I had one other thought come to me just while you were talking about when I went through my divorce and when I felt so alone and misunderstood. And I had a friend from college who I didn't have that close of a relationship with, but she had been through something very similar. I mean, she had, yeah. And it maybe like a year before that. And so she knew what I needed and she just said, Hey, 
let me talk you through this. Let me give you some of the, you know, some of the things that I wish someone would have told me. Those were extremely helpful. And then she said, we're going to go out once a week. And she just got me out of the house. And she was like that one person who was like, I'm going to be there for you. I know you need it. I know you don't feel like it, but we're going to do it anyway. And that to me was like really someone that mourned that loss with me, even though it was the right thing. It was still a loss of like this dream of getting married and happily ever after that didn't work out the way I planned. And because she knew my pain, she was there to mourn with me and, you know, be there in my hour of need and comfort me when I stood in need of comfort. And so it can come in lots of different ways. And for her, I want to like, I I would like to believe that probably she felt like a nudge from God or the spirit or whatever, tell her like, this is what this person needs. And I'm so grateful for her. I'm so grateful for my friend, Rachel, who just like showed up to a funeral of someone she didn't know because she cared about me and, you know, people who have been there for you. And so I guess my final thought is when you feel a nudge, don't question it. You know, when you, like, I love our friend, Brian, who's like, if I think it's like 20%, I just go with it. I think about that all the time. He shared it like one time in a meeting about, you know, going out and talking to some kid who he didn't know while he was surfing. And it ended up being this like huge tender mercy answer to prayer. And so you are going to have those promptings. If you are, especially if you're asking God for them, like, who can I serve? How can I help? How can I be? your hands today. So when you get those promptings, even if you're like, gosh, I don't know, like my friend Tracy, who did that for me, she easily could have been like, I don't, I'm I'm not that good of friends with Corinne. Maybe she doesn't want that, but she just went with it and was like, we're getting you out once a week. And I feel like that just saved me. So when you feel those things, when you feel that nudge and you feel like it's from God, even just a little bit, just go with it and trying just like Julie Taylor said too, like, better to try and not have it you know go perfectly smooth and not try it thanks so much for listening to mint arrow messages we're so grateful that you spent time with us today make sure you go follow us at corinne stoko or at mint arrow messages on instagram and then if you have a second and you love the show i would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on apple podcasts That's the only way people can find out about us if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much.